Welcome in and happy Thursday to you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Remember, use the promo code Locked On. That'll get you $10 off your first order. You know, Tim, I actually went golfing yesterday, had a Built Bar before my round, came five feet away from my first ever ace. Wow. So. Not bad. They, they do work. They do work. Yeah. So happy go to, to BuiltBar.com. back, too. That's yeah. first in a while. <laughs> Finally back open. Yep. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, $10 off your first box. Today on the show, we've got some basketball news to hit on. The ACC schedule is taking a bit of a turn here for the upcoming season. And on top of that, we've got uh, some football recruiting news to hit on as well. As some drone news. I didn't think I'd ever say we'd have some (laughs) drone news, Tim, but we do here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast, the only place for daily orange podcasts on the market. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and be sure to get in your $15 lineup. That's our Twitter game of the week. We put that out on Tuesday, as we usually put out our Twitter games. So if you want to have your response read on the show for Friday, get to that for tomorrow's show. All right. So let's start with the ACC basketball schedule because the conference came out and said they will not be opening the season with conference matchups, which to both you and I, I think we agree this is a good thing for the conference, good thing for basketball in general. A little harsh to be putting that much on the line in game number one. I mean, we saw the Syracuse game. That just wasn't basketball. And (laughs) maybe John Swafford saw that and said, you know, we probably shouldn't do this. 48-34 is not a good look for us. And it's basically come out and said that this was all done to boost the ACC network ratings. I get that, all right? right. It's a one-off year, whatever. But that money grab is no longer in play, and I think this is a good thing now, that the conference is not going to open up their season with these conference-level games. I love how you use money grab because I feel it wasn't that what Bayheim used when he went I think on that his, is, yeah. <laughs> his rant after. This is a big win for Bayheim. I mean, he was probably the biggest I mean, advocate. I think for all this. the coaches pretty much didn't oh, yeah. like it. I know Kevin Keats was against it because I think uh, Pac Pride was ready to cancel the season after they lost yeah. to, I want to say, Clemson week one. It or was game uh, one, Georgia Tech. Or Virginia actually. Tech. Yeah, or Georgia Tech. You're right. Yeah. You're right, yep. You know, I was actually looking back just as we were sort of preparing for this, and just the results of the, those first games kind of proved that it made no sense because yeah. Pittsburgh beat Florida State, if some might remember. Now, Pittsburgh was at home, but as we know, Florida State is your ACC champion if you look at the ACC record books now um, in the tournament and everything, even though they didn't play in the tournament, but a weird year, and I, you know, Syracuse, Virginia, that was obviously, I mean, I was at that game. There was a lot of hype. It was kind of cool. Mello was there. There was definitely a feeling of like, okay, this is a, a bigger game than normal. And I like how we're starting the season this way. But then the game started. And to your point, I mean, it just wasn't basketball. It was, and I, that's what you get when you, when it's Syracuse, Virginia, or if it's someone against Virginia, period. But 34 points, I know Cole Anthony scored as many as Syracuse that night. And I remember being like courtside for that game, just thinking, what am I watching? Like this is this team. I went to the exhibition games. I was excited about the offense and the passing and the three point shooting and kind of this new look, maybe without with less isolation, which sort of came to fruition in the season somewhat. But that first game, it was non-existent offense-wise. And Virginia even would tell you, like, they shot it terrible, and they won by 14 Yeah, Tony points. Bennett, I don't think, was a huge advocate no. of that change as well. 
but he was he was in the camp of hey let like they had to deal with it so did we so it it was in a sense an even playing field but i mean to to ask a team to go out and play an important game in in game number 1 i think is a little little silly but yeah. when you look at and we're probably going to see this too when I mean, there's this whole baseball plan that supposedly it's going to restart in on July 4th. Yeah, but America. Let's be honest. That's that's gonna be bad baseball for a little bit, and that's gonna be oh, yeah. kind of what we saw when you get to that ACC schedule and you start at game one. Like, it's not gonna be the greatest of basketball out of the gate. And if you're gonna tout yourself as the greatest conference in the country at basketball, don't you want all your games to be the caliber of what they are? Because when you look at a team like Syracuse, they were, you wouldn't have guessed it from game number one, but they were one of the better offensive teams in the ACC, yeah. right? This is a team right. that in their second ACC game put up 97 points, all right? Yeah. So you see a 60-something point bump right there, 63 points, and you're not getting a real indication of what this team is in game number one in a game that's meaningful. I think when you're looking at your scheduling for these first couple of games, you can challenge yourself if you want. I mean, we see Duke and UNC and they play in those big tournaments, the Champions Classic early on and stuff like that. But let's not fool ourselves, okay? There is a built-in challenge that impacts the ACC early on with the Big Ten ACC. You are playing a Power 5 school early on okay it's usually that last week in november or first week in december so that's right out of the gate in your first month where you are playing a very very good team so you use these early season games as a tune-up and listen if you lose in the big 10 acc challenge not the end of the world if duke or carolina or whoever loses in the champions classic to kentucky or michigan state or kansas it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's game one. That game is essentially thrown out the window. But when Syracuse is playing Virginia, that game isn't thrown out the window. That game ends up in the conference standings. At the end of the day, that's what matters most. Okay. Sure, it's nice to pick up big wins against some of these teams, but at the end of the day, that's especially when they're happening in November and December, that is not what's going to give you a huge tournament resume boost, Okay, especially in this age of the net where it is going to take stuff like that into account. Yeah, Tony Bennett was very vocal after Syracuse beat them at John Paul Jones, and he was saying this is a completely different team. Like, their guards have figured it out. And I think just the amount that he said how different Syracuse is speaks to the fact that playing that game so early hurts. Because when you look back on Syracuse's resume and schedule from last year, They did not have a signature home win, which they usually get, even in the NIT year with Gillen and company, they had three or four signature home wins that year. And they usually can really benefit from the home crowd. Well, it felt like Virginia was an opportunity maybe to get one of those, but they didn't really get that chance because it was the first game of the season. And then their other chances were against teams like Duke that just had big men that would overpower them or Iowa where it's literally two of the best big men in the country were coming to the dome, which was kind of tough luck in that regard. But another note to add on the schedule from this week is UMBC was added, which is kind of fun. The retrievers and obviously one of the bigger brands now as a mid major, I think I'm a little sort of tired of the UMBC Twitter and the whole thing. I think everyone but, is. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's a little misleading because they really haven't been that great as a program. I mean, they're 
they're in the America East. They finished fourth last year, 16 and 17 overall. But this should be an easy win for Syracuse, and they're going to be a part of the non-conference schedule. We don't know exactly when, but I went through and sort of just added up who is now in this non-conference schedule because we now are at a point where we can kind of see what's going on here. So you've got Green Bay, Jacksonville State, UMBC, and Mercer are four games that have been reported. Now, these aren't definite, definite, but like John Rothstein said UMBC, so we'll take it. And those are kind of some different teams in the non-conference portion, Mercer and UMBC, of course, because UMBC they haven't played since the early 90s. You'd figure Colgate and Cornell, as usual, will be a part of that. And then you've got that game against LSU at Madison Square Garden as part of the Gotham Classic. You're going to play Georgetown at home, it's been reported, that they're going to continue that series, and now it's due up to be back at home. And then you'll have one road game at the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You'd assume it'd be a road game because they played at home last year. And it's worth noting also the ACC did say there will be a December game still because remember they did one game early, one game in December, and that was when they played Georgia Tech on the road. You'd figure that will be against a home-and-home type of team as well because that's what they did with the early season games last year. They were fair and made sure that, okay, you play Virginia early, that means you will get another crack at them later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's important. Well, it's also really not a choice because the ACC has moved to that 20-game slate. It's theoretically impossible to fit in those extra two games without stretching into December. Now, when they're mid-December games and you've got some games under your belt, then that, I think, is all right. But... It's It especially would have been dumb this year with a limited offseason and preseason that these guys are going to have going in. And, I mean, on top of all that, you, you may be thinking in your head right now, well, that's stupid. I mean, look at the NBA. Look at all these other leagues, the NFL, MLB. They they play important games. They, they'll play divisional games in week one. Well, to that, I would, I'd also say... They have a preseason schedule, and you may be saying, well, Syracuse has a preseason schedule, but they're going up against D2, D3 schools, okay? These other leagues go up against their level competition in the preseason, and that is not what happens in college sports. So all of that is a reason why this can't happen. You cannot have an ACC game in game number one. But December, if you're going to expand to the 20-game slate, you're going to have to live with it in December. And again... In a conference like the ACC, you are going to get challenged in that first month because you will face a Big Ten team unless you are the oddball out. Right. So, yep, that's pretty much going to tie everything up here on the ACC schedule heading into next season when we do hopefully have a basketball season on the college side. All right, coming up next, yep, (laughs) we'll get into some football recruiting stuff. A big-time safety has put Syracuse in his top six, and guess what? He's already got some orange ties. We'll tell you about that next. Quick timeout to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. You know, Tim, Built Bar is the only protein bar on the market that tastes just like a candy bar. Comes in 16 amazing flavors, including a variety of fruits. You got your caramels, you got your chocolates. There's so many Built Bar flavors out there. It's so hard to pick. And that's why my go-to is the custom box. That way you can just build out the way that you want to your entire inventory of Built Bars. Yeah, I'm actually in the process of ordering another one of those custom boxes right now because now I feel like we've gotten a better sense of what our flavors are. And I was actually, I was making the drive to Syracuse over the weekend, which was 
kind of a crazy experience being back around the campus and seeing no people. It's one of those places that I hadn't been since this has all happened. And anyway, during the drive, one of my friends was like, can I have that built bar? I pulled it out during the ride and he was kind of hassling me for it. So it shows that these things, they smell good, but they also taste good. And I don't know, I feel like they're, they're going to get big before we know it here. So if you're listening to this now, hop on the built bar bandwagon now. Glad to hear that everyone is loving Built Bar. You too can get a taste of it. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you get $10 off your first order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. These shows have really been dominated lately by football recruiting, and rightfully so. Dino Babers has been on an absolute tear lately, Picking in recruits, it seems like, if not every day, every other day, there's someone new who we know will be suiting up for the Orange in the class of 2021. A guy who Syracuse just landed in the top six of is Josh Moore. And he's a three-star safety, but he's a top 700 prospect. And if he did commit to Syracuse, would be the top guy in the class. So would be giving a major bump to the recruiting rankings of this class of 2021. Now... When you look at his top six, and again, we, we've seen the, the common offer sheet of a lot of these Syracuse commits, but Josh Moore, kind of like the guy we talked about yesterday and Landon Morris, sort of the outlier there. Yeah. The other five in the conversation with Syracuse, you've got Boston College, Duke, Northwestern, Notre Dame, and Stanford. He also had over 20 Power Five offers in total, so... That is a big thing when you look at a guy like Josh Moore. He's clearly a highly touted guy on the safety market. Yeah, he's also clearly very gifted academically, right? I mean, those are good <laughs> schools in front of you that you just read off. Stanford especially, that's that's right. a hard offer to turn down. As much as I love my Syracuse education, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Palo Alto and Stanford. I've never been out to California, but I can only imagine. I mean, there's imagine. some good coaches in that mix, too. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You look at Stanford, Notre Dame, Northwestern. Those are all guys who have, have had opportunities to jump to the NFL, too. Yeah. I mean, who knows how much the academic side, it seems like he's he values that a lot. And just based on what he's got in front of him there, that shows you. If you're going to put Stanford in your top six, you're probably considering the fact of what a Stanford degree could do for you. And that's not to knock a Syracuse degree. Again, these are two people talking that have Syracuse degrees and would love to pump that <laughs> yeah. up as much as possible. But academics clearly is is going to play into his decision. Already did the virtual tour, kind of like his high school teammate, Derek McDonald, who committed mm -hmm. after doing the virtual tour. And Derek McDonald's a guy that we hope to have on the show in the future maybe talk to him a little bit more about that, but someone who is another pretty highly touted player from Marist, a good school down there in Georgia. And it does, we should mention more said McDonald being at Syracuse and committed to Syracuse is not going to impact his decision, which I kind of respect and agree with the way he phrased it in the Syracuse.com article was that basically he doesn't want, he wants to think about this for himself. He wants this right. to be his decision 100%, and that's how you should look at it. Absolutely. I mean, Derek McDonald should not be picking Josh Moore's school. Josh Moore should be picking <laughs> right. Josh Moore's school. And, and yeah. once you kind of get that through your head, it really makes a lot of sense. So he says he wants to make a decision in the next two weeks with all the uncertainty that's going around. 
and the only place that he has visited is Duke, where he took a camp, I believe, his sophomore year. So maybe that plays a factor as well. But the Syracuse pitch is strong in the fact that they're kind of recruiting him as this next Andre Sisco. And that's important because when you look at a guy like Andre Sisco, probably going to leave after next season, right? So when he goes off to the NFL, you can sell yourself as a program as, hey, we, we had an early entrant into the NFL draft at the safety position, and we believe in what we are doing defensively, and we think you're next. And guess what? Andre Sisco stepped in. He didn't just start day one of the season his freshman year. He started day one in spring ball as an early enrollee. Yeah. And that is just something that you don't see very often. A freshman enrolls early, and he's number one, not just starting uh, down the road, number one on the spring depth chart. That's how impressive he was, and that just shows that there is an opportunity if you do come to Syracuse because it has happened in the past like this. I've always been an advocate for making sure your team has sort of an identity or a brand or trying to capitalize on being known as like defensive back you or wide receiver you. Obviously, Syracuse has the punter thing, and I think that's good. And honestly, punters are probably underrated, if anything, in that regard. But you look at some other schools. Boston College has the offensive line. I'd say LSU is defensive back you. I'm not saying Syracuse needs to get to that point, but I've always felt like since Dino has come, Wide receiver has been an area where they've been in the mix for a lot of four-star guys. Unfortunately, haven't quite nabbed one that's been really elite to maybe push them over the top. But they've produced really great numbers at wide receiver from Edatawa. Yeah, small to, Americans. Yeah, and exactly guys that have gone on to the NFL draft and gone on to play on NFL rosters. So that I thought would be a position that they could maybe land a four-star or two in some of these near cycles. Defensive back is basically the top position though since they've gotten Dino and since they've added Nick Monroe and now you got Chip West who's one of the better recruiters on the staff recruiting at the cornerbacks position and those are the two guys that are talking to more here I mean you go down the list Andre Sisco obviously was only an 85 overall in 24-7 sports but he's the nation's active leader in interceptions right now going to be maybe a second round first round pick next year in the NFL draft and then Trill Williams not a safety like more but a four-star guy who's really panned out. You've also got Cornelius Nunn. He could leave early too, yep. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of talent come in. Robert Hanna is a guy who I really like from this latest cycle that just got a big bump recruiting-wise. So they've been recruiting great at defensive backs, and that was a weak spot. And they're continuing to get some more names. And this is the type of kid that they could reel in that maybe they couldn't have reeled in three, four years ago because they actually have this impressive track record of defensive back recruits and development to the next level to showcase. Ifatu Melifanu, another yeah. guy, he's a cornerback, but also, I mean, defensive back to stick with the theme. He's a guy who I think will play in the NFL because he's got the the size, he's got the length. I mean, he's got some things that you can't teach that the Syracuse coaching staff identified in him. And I think he's been a pretty good defensive back of course you think back to that unc game everyone wants to make the headlines about tommy devito but how about the fact that fatu melifanu he had three pass breakups in that game it was that was an unbelievable game for the class of 2017 and nikeem johnson had a big play so 
that yeah. was kind of the start of that whole cycle for Dino Babers of showing, not to mention, all right, this is what happens when my guys get in. Right, not to mention Malcolm Folk this year, who is kind of the rover right. position. It was interesting reading Syracuse.com's article, too, because they said more for Notre Dame. They were kind of recruiting him in that rover position. It does feel like everyone's trending that way in terms of five defensive backs, which Syracuse right. is probably ahead of the curve in that regard, which is good to see. Yeah, happens when... I mean, it seems like everything's moving to a passing league. That's that's the way yep. to win these days. It, it is worth noting, though, that one of the lead experts on 24-7, Steve Wiltfong, pretty plugged-in guy, he's got it at Stanford right now, and he hits at about a 90% rate on his crystal balls. So hmm. not to rain on the parade, but looks like David Shaw may have an inside track here on a guy like Josh Moore. But you never know. Maybe... Just because Derek McDonald isn't going to be a deciding factor doesn't mean he can't help with the pitch. Yeah, can't so, hurt. All of that to to look forward to over these next couple of weeks when we expect Josh Moore to make a decision. Coming up next, we tease the drone at the top of the show. And guess what? It may help clean out the stadiums that you love going to of coronavirus. And the company, based out of Syracuse, will tell you about that next. All right, so everyone is waiting for the return of sports. And again, that may or may not be without fans, but one company that is trying to make sure fans can return and feel safe going to stadiums is a Syracuse startup called Eagle Hawk, which has created this drone that can spray disinfectant and kill the coronavirus in sports arenas and stadiums. So th this drone which has been tested in a lot of Syracuse area stadiums. I, I know they've been at the War Memorial. Um, it looked like they were at a, a baseball stadium in Buffalo, Buffalo as too. well. Yeah. Also uh, the Key Bank Center in Buffalo, home of the Sabres, and I believe also hosts some NCAA tournament games as well. So basically what this drone does is, again, it, it's tough to disinfect every single seat, and, and it's time-consuming and a lot of work to do that, but this drone basically will fly around and, and will spray all the different seats and, and cleanse it better than than what your average worker could do. And, and again, the, the time-consuming aspect of, as well of it is worth noting too. So the fact that this could be something that helps us get back to stadiums. I know that's something both you and I, Tim, are, are really looking forward oh, to yeah. doing, but this is something that could maybe expedite that process. Yeah, I mean, if anything, some good pub here for Syracuse and the town itself, or the city, I should say. I saw Darren Ravel, the polarizing Darren Ravel, uh, quote tweeted <laughs> it and um, had some words, or I think he just basically did like the eye emoji or something, which I'm sure some people saw it and saw Syracuse.com's article of it too, which shout out to them because that's where we're getting a lot of this stuff. But basically it seems like you would, the drone, as soon as people left the stadium would then come in that night or the next morning and someone pilots this thing. They take it around the war memorial hypothetically and spray it down and it would be able to stop being directly exposed by sitting down. Um, it, you know, it's hard to say really how much that, like, how much this can affect stadiums or how much this will change, I guess, the perception of being in a stadium and if this will really go national or countrywide and make it to the point that this will have some real effect on when fans can get back in seats in stadiums. But 
I think shout out to Eagle Hawk and, and the fact that it's a Syracuse company is kind of cool that they're doing this and it can't hurt, right? I mean, it's it's also it's definitely... worth noting too that even if this doesn't become a thing with coronavirus, and again, it, it, it looks like it could be beneficial in the sense that, okay, you're not having people clean the seats. So yeah. the people won't be the ones that are directly exposed. The drone is the one that's exposed. But I mean, even in the future... When you look at something like this, isn't this – it saves a lot of time. Oh, yeah. It'll save a lot of money for these stadiums. And I don't know the degree that the the seats are sanitized in the Dome or wherever your favorite arena in, in the world is. But you could bring something in like this, and this thing could clean your stadium every single day in that aspect. Yeah. In the fact that it's wiping de- – it's – not wiping down, but you get the idea. It's it's doing the job of wiping down these seats because, again, even when the coronavirus hopefully dies out in the near future, it doesn't mean there, there aren't other sicknesses out there. I mean, oh, you yeah. don't know what the person who sat in that seat the, the game before you has or, or right. the germs that they are carrying because th- this could be something that even regardless of whether you use it for for fighting COVID-19, this is something that you can use to just make sure your stadiums are more sanitary. And I think that's something that's going to be more and more important totally. for fans moving forward. I know. I'll speak for myself. I mean, I feel like I'm going to treat stuff like that differently after this. It just even subconsciously, your mind will be right. thinking differently. I watch shows now and I see people hugging and touching and, and you just look at it differently, like just based on <laughs> yeah. what we're in right now. I was looking back at a video of myself at a concert last year and I kind of did a full shot of the lawn seating and people are just on top of each other. Like you, you think, you know, we just kind of did that stuff and took it for granted. Well, maybe we'll be viewing it differently. I'd say after all this, for sure, that'll be one of the sort of consequences here. But yeah, I mean, in some regards, this is just like prime example of technology and, and what is going to happen as, as time moves on. Like, technology taking jobs i guess is kind of a negative but this is just an equipment a piece of technology that someone developed that is just going to make people's lives easier in terms of these stadiums and stuff and i think regardless eagle hawks got something here that is going to be used in the future whether it really has a huge impact on covid19 or not i mean it certainly can't hurt and i think it's cool that it's a syracuse company and it may not necessarily take jobs too because yeah, we don't, we don't know are, are is every single seat being sanitized or is this just being brought in as a supplementary thing to cleaning the stadium so that's something that we'll continue to look out for hopefully we can go back to stadiums soon and this could be a big reason why so we'll have to see again but the one of the biggest ways we can get back to stadiums is everybody just stay inside do your part wash your hands and Hopefully, we can all go back to the Dome or wherever you like watching baseball, basketball, football, hockey, whatever sport you like. Hopefully, we can do that soon in the near future. All right, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to hit on some more recruiting stuff. Maybe we'll have another decision. Who knows? It seems like one of those happens every single day. We're due. So (laughs) we'll stay on the lookout for that for tomorrow's show. And on top of that... We are also going to do our Fantasy Draft Friday. That's going to be with our Fantasy Draft between Tim and I of potential Jim Beheim successors. Who that's would we want whenever Jim Beheim decides to finally step down? All right, so that's coming up on tomorrow's show. For Tim, I'm Tyler. Be sure to check out the Locked On ACC podcast after this one, and we will talk to you tomorrow.